Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul podcast. With me today is my awesome friend, Lewis Walton, and um, recently a law graduate. Yes, yes. Very excited to have him on. We're going to um, chat about all things um, we want to talk about today. So, um, first off, welcome, Lewis, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Great to see you. It's been a while. Been a grip, man. <laughs> Been a grip. We haven't, uh, Lewis and I haven't seen each other since end of February mm -hmm. due to his travel and COVID and all that and my travel and COVID. So it's been a, been a while. Yeah. But I'm glad to see you got things set yes. up here and it's so, looking pretty sweet. So to the one listener out there, <coughs> I joke that I got that from Jeremy uh -huh, um, or somebody from, from the Evo, other podcast. So yeah. Lewis and I are on another podcast, which I haven't been able to record. You guys have been doing some, We've right? been doing some video uh, Zoom-based recordings in the la like for the last two weeks. Yeah, so um, I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that. So Lewis and I do have done that podcast with Lewis for a few years now, but um, Jeremy I think says the one the one listener, mm -hmm. whatever. So I've been yeah. using that. So mm -hmm. the one listener. Yeah. Yes. So yes. Uh, what's new? Uh, not a whole lot for me. Um, you know, it's I'm kind of in the middle of. As you and I have talked about, like Lewis 2.0, where I just finished up law school, um, getting ready to take the bar and uh, look for gainful employment. Gainful. Do you have any um, things in sight for employment? Do people hire? I have general like areas of interest, but uh, no particular like uh, uh, I'm not being recruited. I'm I still haven't found the place that's willing to pay me my million dollar signing bonus. Ah, uh, your <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to work in uh, either a tax field or like an estate planning kind of field. Um, I need a good tax lawyer. So once you get um, your license, I can. That's going to be the plan. Lawyer, I will uh, come find you once that's done. Damn. Yeah. yeah. I need somebody that knows, understands gray. <laughs> the gray. <laughs> Understood. Not the black feeling. or white. The gray. Know the feeling. We got a running joke, me and my study group. Uh, uh Oh, crap. I can't even think of the phrasing right now at the top of my head. But it's basically like tax. Uh, what is it? Tax avoidance is legal. Tax dodging is criminal. So, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not the, the exact phraseology yeah. that we use. But yeah. I need to figure out how to avoid. Uh -huh. yeah. Everybody wants to. God, man. Yeah. Especially right now. Holy yeah, cow. it's a weird, weird world right so now. Weird, how are you doing in the weird world world? Um, we're doing okay. The family's doing okay. Um, most of my friends are doing okay. Um, I can say that um, in my small circle of friends right now, not a very large number of people have uh, had uh, you know traumatic effects. Uh, have to deal have had to deal with the traumatic effects of covid okay uh that is not true for like extended family or other folks that right. i know you're just telling me off air about that yeah i've had uh what six aunts uncles uh pass in the, just the last couple weeks so i was gonna say something off air and i was like oh, i'm not gonna be a dickhead about it but i really would like your opinion on since you've you actually have family members that have died of covid related stuff and I'm I'm a pretty empathetic person, but I want to talk. What what are your thoughts on COVID? And you and I have some sim, real similar viewpoints about the world. Um, 
We're both assholes. That's we're both that's assholes. What, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we both see it through asshole lenses. Um, do is do you think that there was underlying health issues? Do you think that um, age played into it? Do you think it was just like, oh my god, the media, it, the media's right. COVID killed them, and nothing else. Um, I never th- uh, would try to um, attribute that disease to I never want to attribute any one singular disease to any one singular factor so the fact that these folks died from COVID uh, as the precipitating factor for lack of a better way of saying it doesn't mean there weren't other uh, other factors that contributed to it but I think that that's just kind of the way that it works I think that like when people are sick uh, in the case of something like COVID, or if you go back to something like the influenza or mm-hmm. the bubonic plague, like I think that it is uh, simple, a simple viewpoint to just say COVID killed these people. Like I right. think that there are, are, with whatever kind of disease that you're looking at, there's going to be people who have weakened immune systems or weaker immune mm-hmm. systems. Not to even say that there was something wrong, just that. As humans, we all have different levels of health. And some people are going to be able to weather it. Some people are going to not be able to weather it. And we, at this point, we don't even understand COVID enough to understand if that factor that I just described is significant. Like COVID may just affect different populations differently. And we, we just simply don't know enough. For me, the guy that has no medical training <laughs> to sit back and, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback, like what's going on? The best thing I can do is listen to the scientists. Right. And so right now I try to do what the scientists tell tell me to do. Which is, which yes, I do as well. Mm -hmm. The same thing, but there's so many different scientists saying so many different things, right? Like, yeah, I look for the consensus. Yes. And so that's kind of how I, I deal with it. And, um, like I like the meme for me personally, I like the meme that says I wear a mask because CDC says I will lower like best case scenario. I am lowering the chances that I will get sick. I'm lowering the chances that other people will get sick. Worst case scenario. I am momentarily inconvenienced by wearing a piece of cloth on my face. Like, Interesting. I like that um, that mindset. The mindset that says, you know what? It ultimately doesn't matter if global warming exists or not. Like it is a uh, it is a healthy thing for us to do to practice, like you know, uh, con- conserv- conservationism. Conservationism. Thank you. That's the word I'm trying to get out. Um, not because I believe that there's some you know evil intent behind companies or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like at best I am helping the planet (laughs) at worst. I am mildly inconvenienced by, you know, making sure that things around me are, you know, being handled the best way they possibly could. So do you wear a mask? When do you wear a mask and when don't you wear a mask? I am probably like seeing you right now is probably the only time outside of my house that I don't wear a mask. Really? And I have probably 50 masks in my car. Okay. So do you wear your mask in your car? No. Okay. Because I was going to make fun of you if you did that. <laughs> now I will like, um, 
just a, last week, I'm in my car, me and my daughter, we're uh, going to the store. And we both have our masks on. And the next store that we're going to is like literally less than a minute away in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's like this this quandary. Like I'm like breaking down in my car. <laughs> Am I really going to be that guy that keeps his mask on? Right. Or like because I'm in my car, am I like duty bound to take it off? And ultimately we both were like, we're not going to be in the car for more than 30 seconds. Just leave the damn Left mask on. on. Oh, oh my you dorks. <laughs> you mask dorks. <laughs> so, and again, you and I talked, you know, before we turned on the microphones. Like, I don't necessarily, like, see myself as being uh, in danger mm-hmm. of contracting COVID. Like, I understand that it is a, it is um, everywhere. But it's really, I'm kind of watching out for the other guy. Like, for me, it's less mental stress to be considerate than to take the position that a mask is being a sheep or being, you know, one of those things. Yeah. I, I honestly struggle with that. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, I have lots of conversations about this fucking mask thing and, mm-hmm. and the shaming that happens and all of the stuff, if you do or don't or right. all that stuff, I really struggle. So like when we went to the dentist and the doctor, of course I had a mask on and I did all of the things things for that I struggle with this couple things I struggle with um, being told that I have to which nobody's telling you that and they are telling you that at the same time right like they're saying if you want to be a good person mm-hmm. you you should be wearing a mask right right um, which is bullshit I think I don't, I don't think know. it has to do with being a good person how do you feel about seatbelts um they um, save your life. Okay. 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 Yep. But if people don't want to wear one, that's their choice. No, it's not. There's a law. There's a law, right? <laughs> oh, God damn it! I forgot I'm with a lawyer here. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm now I'm fucked, mom. <laughs> no. So there, there are these health uh, considerations that mm. we have to make, whether or not we agree with them, like throughout every aspect of our life. And to me, there is no significant difference between saying as a driver to, you know, cut down on not only your individual safety, but the the amount of uh, um, resources that are used to, to rescue people from car accidents, to keep to lower the medical expenses of car accidents, so on, so on, so on. We're going to make this law that you have to wear seatbelts. There is no. Um, salient difference between that and being required to wear a mask when you're out in public in my head. Was there, was HIV a pandemic to you? Yes. Okay. So do you still believe it's your choice to wear a condom or not? Whether you have HIV or not? Um, yes, it is my choice, yep. mm-hmm. right. but there is no law, but there's no law for a mask. There it's recommended. Is a, there is a gov- there are government, uh, uh, Orders, uh, just for instance, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Mandated in public, but mm-hmm. if you read the fine print, it's mm-hmm. not just wearing it in public. Wearing where it's recommended or required in certain places. Right. Right. But is that law? Can is that well, it's an order? No. There's a there's you know again without going way off into the weeds. There's right. a difference between like the law that's you know uh, put into statute versus an order that is 
uh, executed by the right the you know can you tell us a little bit about that can you just explain that a little bit so we so our listeners can know the a little bit of the difference so here's my problem like i am a law law graduate right now that is trying to become a bar approved lawyer oh so you can't tell us yeah like really kind of delving too far into like even the explanation of the law can prevent me from being Oh, okay we won't we don't want to do that because i want you to keep me in the gray bingo thank you (laughs) okay so we'll i'll have him back when he passes the bar and we'll we'll have a deeper conversation of the difference of those things Uh um yeah, I, I'm not saying that I'm not going to. I'm just saying that I'm really having deep thoughts about it. And, and it's completely recognizable to be resentful when, like, there's something that you have been able to, like, choose freely that then you have that choice taken away from you. Like, I'm not, like, saying at all that, like, this isn't an abridgment of our mm-hmm. absolute freedom to, you know, appear in public, you know, com- completely clean-faced. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I did kind of interrupt you. And oh, you're I apologize fine. for that. Um, I'm not discounting that at all, but it, I find it hilarious. I'm watching the news this morning and some guy is like, we're living in a dictatorship because I got to wear my, and some guy in Kansas City, Missouri, like, I don't think you really understand what you're saying there, buddy. <laughs> Do you think, okay, here's another question for you. Uh-huh. With all of this stuff happening, do you think there's been an abuse of power with with governors and um, mayors and county people on their decisions of of things to do? That even though they're even though okay, how do I say this? Even though they think they're doing it in the interests of the people, do you think they're doing it also in the interest of showing their power? No, no. I think that. Um... I'm going to I'm going to step back from that from that answer okay because I want to qualify it in like 17 different ways. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the the short answer is I don't think you can put people in positions of power without them abusing the power. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's that's true, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I think that that is a I don't know the the best way to say it. I think that that's just part of the package. Okay. Um and I think that it takes a person with like Herculean strength, uh, internal strength to not abuse power when they're in a position of power. And it's just funny to me that like if the mayor does something you agree with, like the mayor's doing a great job. If the mayor does something you disagree with, it's an abuse of power. And it doesn't seem like the average person doesn't seem to give a mayor credit that maybe they're doing what they think is right. Like I'm completely willing to, I, I take it as a foregone conclusion that there is an abuse of power. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's, which is, which is a good way to, which is an effective way to look at it to, yeah. to stay, to look at it in a middle path type of way when they do make a decision. Like yeah. I get that uh-huh. for sure. I struggle with, um, so like our health department director, uh-huh said my i have i have the ability to override police with we've looked through this Mm -hmm. sanction i have the ability to override the police on all of these health issues or whatever something like that i think the way that that's stated Uh is a very arrogant and like Mm -hmm. like abuse of like that idea like 
I think it's more of like, as a, as a community, we've looked at these things and we feel that, you know, we're going to try to enforce this in a certain way. I mean, there's a right. way to do it mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, well, I, my powers override the police when it comes to public health issues. Right. Right. Like I just, that's just, I struggle with that. So I agree. Like that is, that is a pissing contest, like yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a different dynamic, uh, that I'm seeing within my friends again, like you, you hit on like a key point that whole middle way concept. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking just kind of as a, for example, through my Facebook feed and there are equal numbers of folks that are like the governor failed because the governor didn't mandate law, uh, mandate mm-hmm. mass. The governor failed. The governor is a authoritative, uh, dictator because the government, the governor did mandate masks right it's all or nothing on either side it's all or nothing on either side and that you know i i keep hoping that the idea that that kind of thinking amuses me (laughs) means that i will be effective like later on in life as i you know become further ensconced in this whole lawyer thing Mm -hmm. um because the truth of the matter is there's good arguments on either side right that's the thing. Like, there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. No, there may be a right answer. I don't know. If, I don't think there's a right answer. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's the, there's the, there's the decision being made and you're going to argue either way if it's good or bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. But a decision needs to be made. Right. Bingo. Decision need to be made to shut down. Mm-hmm. We realize that. And, you know, and I, sometimes I regurgitate other people's shit, mm-hmm. but, but I also think like those other people that right. I find value in. Mm-hmm. Do I think that we overreacted and fucked a lot of people over? Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. Do I think this media outpour right now about all these resurgence of COVID and it being bad? Well, of course there is. We opened back up mm-hmm. and we're testing more. Mm-hmm. So more people are going to have it. Mm-hmm. But we do know the viral load is less. Do it's we? coming down. I think so. I think that's it's coming the, down. That, well, and again, I'm just looking at at maps and graphs and charts yep. as they appear. That's not the the picture that we're that I'm seeing. I'm seeing that more people are being tested. Mm-hmm. Still, people are going to the hospital, mm-hmm. but are they going to the hospital because they're actually sick? Mm-hmm. Right, like enough to be like, oh, I need to go. Right. Or are they going to the hospital because they're scared because they got tested positive for COVID? See, I don't know. That's again, that those are those are the kinds of decisions or kinds of judgment calls that I I know that I'm not qualified to make. And well, I'm not qualified to make either, but I'm gonna judge the <laughs> shit out of it. That's what I get to do, right? Like, <laughs> no, I like I when people tell me like, don't be judgmental. Do you not get the career? path that i just all right. picked <laughs> that's all i do is judge shit exactly yep. I'm, I'm gonna be paid someday hopefully yep. to judge shit exactly <laughs> yeah i just think it's a okay so i'm a pretty normal person on, on a sure. certain level right sure like, is what we can normally Let, say let's say for the purposes of the podcast yes you're yes. normal so i got some test results back uh-huh. without doing the research on the test results right uh-huh. like i got some blood work done uh-huh. and i i had a small anxiety attack right over that uh-huh I can't imagine if I was had a cough right? and I was like, I think I have COVID and somebody tested me for COVID that I wouldn't freak out and go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So then therefore it raises the, the, 
rates of people going to the hospital. It doesn't mean that they admitted me. It doesn't mean that they did all that, you know, stuff. Yeah, but this is conspiracy theory logic. Like, you have actually, like, discounted the fact that the numbers show that the number of cases is on the increase at levels that are quite honestly outside the scope of every other country on the planet. I know, but we're a bigger country. Not space wise, <laughs> space wise, space wise, which means technically because we are more spread out, we should actually be seeing less infection rates, except our cities. Okay. So there's, a, there's a couple things here, right? Mm-hmm. Our cities are, made we're on top of each other so we right. look at new york and all all that stuff right mm-hmm. also are we testing more than other countries no so, i don't know i'm just no we're not that's we're not. kind of the point yeah. yeah so we we've definitely increased our testing right we have uh definitely had at least one peak prior to now like the most recent chart that i saw says that we are at the new peak of uh uh acceleration of number of cases mm-hmm. not just the the number but the at the rate at which they are accelerating um whereas we see countries that like the countries that we see that have basically gone down now to zero cases are the countries that tested most heavily it is the one like so what are correlated they doing fact. differently they are finding out ahead of ahead of the curve of people getting sick if you can find that those cases of the asymptomatic carriers mm-hmm. and isolate those people as opposed to just telling everyone, go about your business, like don't worry about it until you start showing symptoms, which is literally what they told me when I went and had my test. I went and was I went and got tested by the health department and they're like, You we won't give you your results for a week. Um so I could I could in theory have COVID. Like, and I just got tested because I knew somebody that, yeah. that had COVID. I could have COVID, go out, do my thing for a whole week before you guys even give me the results. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it boggles the mind. So they didn't say stay home for a week. They did after. say stay home for, well, put this way. They said stay home for two weeks from the, your period of exposure. Uh, my test was scheduled 10 days after my period of exposure. They told me my results would be seven days after my test. Jesus Christ. That's terrible. <laughs> yes. Yep. So what is, what's, what are this, what are your thoughts on that asymptomatic people aren't contagious? Uh, it, it is not that the asymptomatic people aren't contagious. It is that the, uh, the, um, once you've had it, you've developed the antibodies and you aren't contagious. And the scary fucking thing is you aren't contagious for like two to three months after. So even if you have the, even if you've had it and had the antibodies, like you're not contagious for a window. And then if you get it again, you're contagious again. <laughs> so <laughs> just, just everybody just get the goddamn thing already. Right. Like just so everybody there is, it. there's a certain logic that's like, I mean, if people weren't dying, as a result, like this thing has killed more people than pretty much anything else at this point. Uh, Except for all the suicides that are happening because, because of, of it. Yeah. And, but somebody's done the math on that and it's still, uh, the disease still outweighs the number of suicides. Like, by well, but we could argue like, is it the disease or is it the people that are unhealthy 
And it's just a like, so let's look at 80, 85 year old people, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. They're going to die of something because right. they're 85. Well, by that logic, we're all going to die of something. Exactly. Uh-huh. Why Whether it's it COVID be this disease? or a truck. Yeah. Or... But the disease is preventable or minimizable and we're not doing that. And so what we're seeing is like, based on your own logic, these 85 year olds, suppose they're going to live to be 87. Like, mm-hmm. not extremely long life, but their life is cut short by COVID, a disease that could have been prevented if we had taken the proper measures to prevent it. Doesn't that make us at least somehow culpable? Like, I don't know. Don't Maybe. we have, like, some <laughs> kind of responsibility to these folks? I mean, we have responsibility, uh-huh. right? Like, as a as mankind, as a social being, we got to watch out for more than just ourselves. But I need my 75-inch TV. <laughs> I need to go out and get that. I, I, and I, I hear have you. a cough, look, but I still need to go out there and get that. Look, if I had the money right now to go buy a 75-inch TV, I don't think there is a force on the planet that could keep me from like <laughs> heading out to Costco. But would you wear a mask while doing well, it? Well, I already told you. I'm, I'm wearing the, the damn mask. Because if I'm going to be an asshole, like, I'm going to be as little of an asshole. Yeah. Like, again, I start... From the premise that I'm an asshole. Like, that's... <laughs> you know what? You know what I love about you, Lewis? What's that? We're so similar that you're, you're, you're actually kind of changing my viewpoint right now on it. A little bit. You know, and it's, it's really just kind of a small thing. So, like, I'm not... I can I, see your point for yeah. sure. And, and to be fair, I can see your point. Like, I, um, I don't know that this is not being overblown and quite honestly every time i get a piece of news that says you know people are not dying in the in the levels that was predicted like i feel like am i being a chump (laughs) (laughs) right no i so i completely completely get it but for me it is always one of those things where like uh a little bit of inconvenience for me to like help everybody out that's that's like not even a point to debate. Yeah, I get a little. You're you're. I I like your point a lot. Like mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I also what I'm frustrated and and I can respect your point mm-hmm. and I can even think about it and like maybe possibly implement that point. Right. Right. It's when people shame me for not. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna dig my heels in because. You're not the boss of me, lady. Right. Right. Like getting yelled at by somebody as you're walking down the street because yeah. you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> right. And and also, like mm-hmm. what people don't understand, and once again, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, mm-hmm. but if I piss in the ocean mm-hmm. and you're 20 feet from me, mm-hmm. you're not going to get piss on you. I still wouldn't want you pissing. Just, but, 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 but like, no, it's going to be like, the, it's going to be analogy. lighter. Like, you may yeah. get like diluted Josh piss, right? Right, right. But you're also going to get whale piss, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. If I'm outside, mm-hmm. And I don't wear them like when people freak out that people aren't wearing masks outside. You don't. It's once you. It's the air. It's gonna right. dissipate. Right. It's closed quarters. I get like, the closed quarters piece. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can't make the world a perfectly safe place, and you right. can't be pissed at people because they aren't uh, following the rule that you think they should be following. Right. Like. So like I'm I'm completely behind like I I will wear my mask 
I have a few masks that have been made for me by friends and family that I think look pretty fucking cool. So I like wearing my mask. Mm-hmm. Makes me look like a bank robber. Like, you know, there's... Can't, can't, easy, <laughs> easy, buddy. <laughs> I need you to stay alive. <laughs> so there's like, like, I don't mind the whole mask thing. I absolutely get someone that does mind the mask thing. I get that like people are frustrated and feel like they are having something taken away from them. Like, makes sense. On the other hand, like, we've got this health concern that the masks demonstrate a a reduction in the rate of infection. So, again, it's like, but everybody's got good sides. Yep. And, and you have to, like, make a decision. Yeah, yeah. And you have to live with that decision, however it pans out. Yeah. Right? And that, but you don't go around like chastising other people because of their decision. I mean, if they're breaking the law, then you got something to say. Yeah. But outside of that, like if I, if I saw you in Dylan's and you weren't wearing a mask, this is going to be my thought process. And I mean, if I didn't know you. You stupid motherfucker, Josh, why aren't you wearing a mask? Well, yes, that's ultimately (laughs) it. But if I didn't know you, I'd say, okay, that guy's not wearing a mask. That means I'm not going to share close quarters with that Mm. guy. I'm going to like, you were supposed to be six feet away. Like that guy's not wearing a mask. I'm probably going to ensure that I never get closer than six feet to that guy. And if I do get closer than six feet to that guy, I'm going to make it as quick as possible. And and there is no that guy is an asshole. It is like this isn't in that guy's worldview right now. At least I hope. I hope that guy is not like here in the store, like making a statement about how important it is that he be allowed his individual freedom. Like um, my hope is that that is not your he's thought not, process. Not, I'm not making a statement by not. Yeah. I'm just choosing not to because I don't want to. Exactly. And that is like, again, for me, like. I'd prefer that you did, but I respect your decision not to. Yep. <laughs> and that is as like for me, that is as far as it goes. And I can tell you right now that the people on either side of this issue that that allow it to go someplace other than that are doing whatever side they're on a disservice. Yeah, I it's interesting because I at the beginning of all this, mm-hmm. I really struggled when I saw people wearing masks mm-hmm. and doing kind of some what I would call improper because they were scared, yeah. right? Like uh-huh. the, when they would wear gloves, but they would touch everything with their gloves. And right, still like right. that. When we didn't know that it was less transferable. And I get that people were super scared and they still are scared. And I get that. I did a lot of, I did a lot of judgment, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ, people like, we're get all going to be okay. Right. Right. It's part of the, part of being a human being is like figuring this shit out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time judging that. And then my wife, cause you know, Dylan's got all crazy and it was hard to get groceries. And so we started this new routine of like, we'd go every Sunday morning mm-hmm. and she would say, okay, before we get out, she's like, don't judge anybody. Just be kind, right, empathetic. Right. People got to be them. Right. So I really worked on that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now when I see people in masks, it's just, okay, yeah. they're wearing a mask and, mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, but I'm I'm not wearing one in places I don't have to, mm-hmm. right? Like the doctor, right. like I think doing it in a doctor's office is super important, like mm-hmm. or the dentist because I get it. There, those people are definitely compromised, right? right. right. Or it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, the big open spaces like Dylan's or Home Depot or 
things like that. I'm like, that's interesting. But anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm rethinking it. I'm yeah. actually rethinking it. So um, I want to kind of get, not that this isn't deep mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to get to, and I don't know how much you want to talk about it. Or When I, or when do, I don't want to talk about it, I'll, I know I'll give you, you will. the little, I know you will. Uh-huh. Um, that was the cutoff sign for you folks. That I was, I was thinking of something else like, Hey, my beard's. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fucking country's on fire. Yeah. How are you doing? Like you and I have had deep conversations about race mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. but never in a time where it's blown up to a, or boiled over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How are you doing personally with, the craziness that's that's happening, which is good. I believe that it's good. Mm-hmm. So um, lots of things are kind of wrapped up into what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say for sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that there is no black person in America that was surprised. Like okay. we are all intimately familiar with the habits of the police for lack right. of a better way of saying And we've it. talked about that before. So yeah. yeah. Um, I think I was having the biggest problem in the beginning in okay. talking to my kids about it. That was really kind of the, mm-hmm. the lens through which this became kind of an unbearable situation. Um, mm-hmm. What do you tell your 10 year old son or, and I'm concentrating on my son right now because he's the male. And right now the story is on uh, cop treatment of black males. Males, correct. But the cops' treatment of black women in many ways is worse. It, because they dismiss them. Is, isn't that more of the, they really dismiss their whole viewpoint so they don't even do anything? Is that? There is a sexual component sexual abuse, sexual assault that is interrelated to like the, the deadly relationship uh, that cops have. No shit. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in hearing that, uh-huh. that thought process after you tell me about your focus on your kiddo and how you, sure. your son. So like, how do I tell my kid who has essentially grown up in predominantly white neighborhoods that, and we've had this conversation like his entire life, that, right? You know, people are going to judge you by the color of your skin, and it doesn't make sense, but people do that. Um, that it right now is impossible to trust a cop, like, period. Like, you can be on your best behavior, you can be asleep in your own bed and be shot by some cop who doesn't doesn't give you the same amount of care that they would give a white person in that same situation like how do you reassure your kid that exiting the front door is going to be safe knowing that in three years like he's 10 now in three years by the time puberty has set in it goes from not being sure of whom he can trust to being viewed as an active threat by every cop. Like, not just by, you know, the little old lady, little old white lady down the street who sits on her porch and, like, watches everything that the the colored family does. 
Mom, that's a Karen. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you having the discussion about what a Karen is in your house? Yeah, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm trying. It's, it's not well. You know, it's for the older generation. It just doesn't doesn't compute. It, yeah, yeah. Um, but how do you have that conversation and have give any kind of reassurance or rationale to what's going on? And quite honestly, like it was maybe the thought that like broke my head. Um, I'm, I'm actually super thankful for my daughter because my daughter's like, let's go to the protests. Um, and that was uh, probably the best thing for me internally dealing with this. Um, because it'll it reinforced the idea that this is grown in size enough that people of all races and all backgrounds and all uh, walks of life are now able to see it and acknowledge it and recognize that like there is a problem. Again, this is not a surprise to anybody with a skin tone darker than yours, (laughs) that this has been a problem. Um, The fact that people seem to be aware right now and seem to be wanting to do something to address it is probably the most hopeful I've been in a long time. Um, uh, But I still am pretty sure that like, it's not going to get fixed. And that's, that's uh, probably more negative than I normally am. And you, but, but you also run like if the middle path in, um, cause I've, I've learned from listening to you and Jeremy talk, mm-hmm. you, if, if the middle lines hope, right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're talking about world stuff. You guys are below that middle line where I'm that middle line. Right. In some things. Yeah. In some things. Yeah. yeah. So it would make sense to me that you're like, this is just a bandaid. Cause you don't even think it's a bandaid. The issue is, uh, I feel like I've been burned. I feel like I have been uh, naively expecting more change. <laughs> I feel like I've been too hopeful oh. in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, um, now like, and I shouldn't just say now, I should say the aggregate of all of my experience are, t- are like pointing me to this notion that like I have been giving way too much uh, faith in the goodness of my brothers and sisters like in this country. And that is sobering, uh, super, super sobering. Um, Here's a question for you. And, mm-hmm. and I- you can answer or not. You're sitting across from me. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yeah, he's, he's on my side, but I don't have any hope that he's going to really ever do anything. No. So here's my, no, it was, I was having this conversation with, with uh, my barber this morning. Um, an individual person, super smart. People are dumb. Ah. So, you and me sitting here having this conversation, the notion that I could say something to you that makes you even potentially reconsider your mask stance right. is, for me, 
like an indication that you are somebody that I want to hang out with. Not that I can, not that I have power over you, but that you're willing to listen and consider. Right. Like that's the important thing Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I don't, I have been working under this notion my entire life that that's how change occurs, (laughs) that, the interactions that you and I have, the interactions that, you know, me and someone down at the bar has, are what affect change. Um, but I feel like that kind of goes out the window when you start talking about these, this group of people that have decided that whatever, whatever position it is that the group has taken, that everybody has to follow, um, seems to be devoid of all logic, seems to be devoid of all compassion, seems to be devoid right. of all reasoning. And uh, it is disheartening at best um, in recognizing and understanding that. And so um, I still like absolutely enjoy like our discussions, even if we don't end up agreeing. Right. Um, I still find value in them. Uh, I learn stuff. Um, I am, and that is reinforced by your acknowledgement that you learn stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we will again, continue to have these conversations. And for me, it's not a case of like you being on my side versus you being on their side. It's really a case of like, what are your points? Are your points valid? Are, you know, are you a caring and compassionate human? And those are the things that are important. When we talk about this, this police thing, mm-hmm. we're talking about like a systemized, oppression that like most people can't even recognize right um that's different that is like i i absolutely think we're gonna see some laws put into place to um limit the more uh overt thank you that's the word i'm looking for the more overt oppressive measures that the police are taking um I don't think we're going to like abolish the police. Like, I don't think that we're going to eliminate the police or anything like that. Well, I don't, my opinion is I don't think we should. So I got like, I'm not interested in abolishing the police just because I'm, I don't, again, I am becoming much less enthralled with the idea of like groups of people getting together and making decisions. Right. (laughs) But I do think that like, you know, defund the police movement, like essentially have the police take care of police shit and have like the organizations that are experts at that issue take care of the other issues. I I have to agree with Rogan on Uh this in Uh the sense of we got to get rid of that, that name of defund. And my wife and I have had this discussion too, because it, it is, it is not what it really means. It's exactly what it means. It just, it's just antagonistic to police who have, literally uh been given carte blanche to do what they want but what about what about the thought of it's more about allocating like eat like funds in a way so that is so more social service funds more funds that way as opposed to tanks for cops right like in this that's exactly what it is right but but, that's what defunding the police is just like when they defund schools they're not closing the school they're not right but that's but but my argument Mm -hmm. is with change Mm -hmm. right 
and with change that you want everybody on board with because that's how it systemically changes. I agree. I agree. Is language, mm-hmm. right? How we use language and how we, um, so let's use your mask example, mm-hmm. right? Right. The way that you explained that to me mm-hmm. was your, your eloquent use of language and the, and the discussing of everyone and how that looks. Right. right. So that made me think, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to do this. When you say defund to everybody, Right across the board, I agree. People are going to go, "What? What the fuck? We are you can't, talking about? We can't do it." And then they're just on that because we are simple-minded fucks right now, <laughs> and we only <laughs> listen to CNN or Fox or this, and we think that that's the right answer. Right. right. That if they say that, mm-hmm. if Fox says, "Oh, they want to defund the police," mm-hmm. then. That's not what we, we under the, the smart people understand. That's not what we mean, but for the people that only look at it from that lens, Mm -hmm. that's the wrong language to use because we want those people to, to incorporate incorporate because we're all we're doing is creating more decisiveness, Mm -hmm. divisiveness when we use language that divides people. So I ultimately, I agree with you. My issue is there is no better word to describe what we're talking about. Like if you're looking for a single word or a single phrase, we went through like Evo and I and a couple other people went through this um, a few weeks ago and like we looked for probably two hours. And I believe you. (laughs) And it's, it's like what we are talking about is defunding the police. And here's the problem. We... We hear that, and what we hear is make the police weaker, right? Mm-hmm. And that appeals to, like you said, exactly zero people. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, like, crime is this big bad thing, and without police, we don't have protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I completely get it. But how else would you describe the process of making it so the police can focus on the issues that we need police to deal with and not all of these issues that really don't have to deal with the use of force or the use of... No, I I, I agree. Uh-huh. I do believe that word exists right? and we can figure out what that is. Uh-huh. I think our simple minds right. choose a word uh-huh. and then we go with it, Yeah, right? So somebody said in all of this which I believe is unbelievably necessary to have all of this shit that's happening. Right. 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 Um, I have never been somebody that was like, Oh, racism doesn't exist or whatever. It just, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Right. Um, but some, everybody, they need a catchphrase uh-huh. and somebody said that. Mm-hmm. And that's the word that became the thing. Right. The catchphrase. No. Yes, no. it is. Again, I don't, there is no word that describes this process. More so than defund the police. Like, there, it, what I'm saying is, there is no other, like, currently existing conception of, like, a word or phrase that captures what we are trying to do. What we are trying to do. So, if you have a budget of a uh-huh. million dollars, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. that you have to give to a city that has a but police department. But we're, you're, you're looking at it in exactly the opposite way. Like, we start your, start your example by saying the police have a million dollar budget. That doesn't, that's not how it works though. That's exactly how it works. No, it works like this. We have taxes Mm -hmm. and those taxes go to 
a fund, right? Right. That then out of those funds, each city department has a budget. Right. And within those budgets, police have a budget. Right. And that budget out of that million dollars is (laughs) $900,000. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But this, okay. So this is the point. The police have X amount of funds currently allocated to them on that budget. Right. We are literally talking about taking some of those funds away so that they can be more more effectively used in different programs. One, yes. I agree. We're reallocating those funds. So reallocate the police? I know it doesn't, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying, right? I completely, completely. Right, yeah, is yeah. that we're going to miss the, once again, we're going to miss all of the middle people mm-hmm. that, that we need. Yeah. To help us make change uh-huh. because of a fucking word. Yeah. I, no, I, I agree. I with agree you with the word. Like I, yeah. I like I get it. Uh-huh. But we when we do this, uh-huh. we leave out these people that are that have their head down. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Right. They have their head down. They're trying to make a paycheck. They're trying to get through COVID. They're trying to figure out how to reopen their restaurant. Mm-hmm. They're trying to feed their kids. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they hear defund. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm trying to eat. If and- I say to you, sorry, I don't mean to inter- I keep interrupting. I yeah, you're f- No, I love it. Okay. Um, if I say to you, Kansas City Schools. Mm-hmm are not performing up to par. Mm-hmm. We need to defund those schools and reallocate those funds to effective schools. Nobody bats an eye. In fact, we've done I it. I would. <laughs> we've done it. <laughs> I would bat an eye. I would say we don't need, we need to put more money into them because the reason that they're not doing well mm-hmm. is because they don't have enough mm-hmm. and they're not paying their teachers enough be- to do the thing. And we don't, they don't have enough materials because what we've fucking done with schools is we've said property taxes is what funds schools, what funds which up. is a bull fucking shit way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is also systemic racism, and and a whole like a whole it other all bag flows of into yeah. the same, but uh-huh. it all flows into the same thing though, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's all systemically done to keep black people from making it. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, yeah. and if you don't, and if people don't believe that, they're well. Anyway, to be to be fair, um, it was like I'm a victim of that that. Mm -hmm. systemic racism Mm -hmm. that we're talking about like my entire life it was still overwhelming to actually like see the law (laughs) and understand that like the laws are written in ways specifically to make it so that like people of color are oppressed by the law and i'm gonna remove myself from the situation Mm -hmm. for just a second Mm -hmm. and talk about like rape laws Shit. Yeah, here we go. I love it. No, I, no, I didn't mean here we go bad, but like, uh, yeah, let's hear it. Like, um, when people talk about, uh, uh, I want to make sure I say this right because I don't want to piss off anybody. Oh, you can piss off anybody you want to give a um, fuck. <laughs> like to see that rape laws are written specifically to protect men at the expense of the women that are being raped is it just kind of blows your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, um, guy rapes a woman. Laws are written to say that if a woman doesn't do X, Y, and Z, like it's not technically a rape. 
So some places, you know, if you don't scream, <laughs> then then it's not rape. Then it's not rape. Yep. Um, like this is written. This was like there mm-hmm. as more again women are you know moved into positions where they can make laws we're seeing this go away Mm -hmm. but the notion that like we just that the law literally criminalizes whatever people in power want to be criminal (laughs) is this just uh it's a mind fuck yeah is basically what it is and so we see it with the you know the way that folks that are again my complexion are treated in the law and uh, seeing some of that stuff been taken off the books is, is helpful, but it is still uh, just kind of overwhelming. I bet. Mm -hmm. And I, I read something or Jill told me about stuff years ago Mm -hmm. about how prosecutors would, when a black man was arrested for a certain crime, Mm -hmm. they would, for whatever crime that was, they could add this terrorist like charge. Mm-hmm. And it was only mostly, <laughs> I can say mostly, I can't say only, right? right Cause I don't right. know. Mm-hmm. Done to black males when charged is this like this underlying terrorist law mm-hmm. thing that happened. And yeah. I forget what it is, but quite honestly, I don't know off the top of my head, like what, what in specific that that is uh, referring to, but it's completely, completely not surprising. Somebody posted on some uh, meme yesterday, like, um, how do you get charged for resisting arrest if your only charge is resisting arrest? Like, <laughs> oh, so fucking true, right? Oh my god, that's a mind fuck right there. Right? Yeah. So yeah, there's there's all of these things that are just kind of built into like uh, one of the things that that is always most salient to me is like the redlining of property. Like if you are my color, for instance, mm-hmm. you can't own property on, you know, in certain parts of town, at right. least until like even the my HOA right now has like a no black people clause in it. No. Absolutely does. Like the, the HOA doesn't honor it, but I can bring you the the Holy the homeowners. Shit. So did you s- okay, here's a question for uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. When you bought your house, mm-hmm. Did you see that clause? No. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, those are the kinds of, you know, things that just, it has been a part of life. Like whenever someone says that racism doesn't exist, especially a law student says racism doesn't exist. Do you not get that the Supreme Court has admitted like point blank that some laws are facially discriminatory based on race. Like these are the words of the Supreme court. If you don't, um, Oh, you can have laws that are not facially discriminatory, but still have the effect of being discriminatory. Right. Right. Um, but the notion that this is like directly acknowledged by the Supreme court of this land, you're still going to tell me that racism doesn't exist. It's such a, it's such a crazy thing. Cause I think, I think for I think for the boomers, mm-hmm. the baby boomers, when Obama was elected, I think that that was their relief Finally. on some level. Yeah. Like, oh, there's no more racism. Yeah, because we elected a a black president, mm-hmm. and I think that was the I think that came from white privilege mm-hmm. boomers that 
tried to do the good thing in the sixties. Right. Yeah. And we're at those things and we're set and even believed in the eighties and nineties that there was still racism, mm-hmm. but this was their like, Oh, we did it. <laughs> so this is the, this is maybe the most interesting development for me, mm-hmm. like regarding what is going, going on currently um, with the black lives matter mm-hmm. protests. Um, there is a push to be, anti-racist like that phrase i actively love and i've talked to a bunch of my friends a bunch of my more libertarian friends that literally thought this was like um lip service for lack of a better way of describing it and it's like no you don't get it like the the problem that you just described where like there's a there is this group of white people that believe that Obama was elected. Our work here, as far as like making the country equal, is done. I can relax now. <laughs> I can. I'm, I chill. I can chill out. And retire. <laughs> I can stop trying to be a good person. Right. Uh, my my job is done. Mm-hmm. So there is that group, and that's that is exactly what this term anti-racist addresses. Mm-hmm. Like there is no substitute for equality there's just equality right and as long as you're not seeing equality equality in your society you have this duty to be an question yeah <laughs> and so um every time i see that i am i am blown away with just how power again going back to your conversation earlier about words this to me is one of the most powerful words you you have explained it more eloquently than I could, or and my wife was trying to do this because we're on, we're at our house. We are reading currently as a as a conglomerate other than Jacks, who's ten. We're trying to figure out how to right. do some stamped. Uh-huh. We start we start we're starting with that one. Gotcha. Uh-huh. I'm also in the midst of bias, uh-huh. um, and kind of just learning the history and things like that. But we're talking about being an anti racist, and right. and I have a 17 year old son uh-huh. who's 17 full of testosterone, whatever. Right. And, and when he doesn't agree with something, mm-hmm. he digs his heels in. Right. So it's not typical of a 17 year old. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, and he is a beautiful, loving boy too, which mm-hmm. is really, which is what makes this story great. Right. As we said, okay, you're going to work as a family. You're going to read this book with us. He's like, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Can't, I don't, I'm not being forced to do this. Right. And as we dug deeper, mm-hmm. what it came to light was, he thought we were being posers. So he wasn't going to be a part of uh-huh. being uh-huh. a poser. Right, right. You're just doing this because all the white people are doing this right now. Mm-hmm. You're not da-da-da-da. Which was fucking, once you dig through all of that, mm-hmm. is a really fascinating thing for a 17-year-old. to Because th- we've all thought our parents are posers. And this is what I right. told Jill on a walk. Right. Was we've all thought our parents are posers. Mm-hmm. But for him to be like, call us out. Mm-hmm. As if, and we're not, but that's what he thought. Uh And so we had the conversations with him about, no, we're not. We just want to know more. We want to continue Mm -hmm. to be better. Mm -hmm. This isn't because we're, we've always felt this way Mm -hmm. and we need to know more and we need to do better as people. Mm -hmm. And once he understood that that's what we were doing and that was our thing, that we weren't just riding this wave that everybody else is. Uh But I thought, what a, what a deep deep kid to be like i'm not i'm not jumping on your bandwagon Uh because you're a bunch of fucking posers i already believe this and i'm working on in a different way Mm because he has he has lots of friends that are 
lots. He's an introvert. So he has friends that are um, not white. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. he ha- probably has, they probably have lots of conversations or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So it would be, it would be interesting to me to uh, understand like what caused him to have that, that, that position. Because there's something that he's seeing that's causing him to say, like, there's there's an incongruity. And for me, like, in my own head, if, if I had had that conversation with my daughter, for instance, mm-hmm. if she had taken the position, like, you don't really care about what happens to black folks, generally, or white folks, or, you know, Mexican folks, mm-hmm. um, my, my sort of ulterior motive behind that would be in talking to her would be, I'm not walking the walk somehow. Like there's something that I'm doing that, Mm -hmm. that is not registering to me Mm -hmm. that is registering to him or to her. I think because, um, he won his own, his own lack of knowledge of who his parents are as he's growing Uh older. Uh Like he doesn't know you and I would have conversations like this or that I even know black people or whatever. Right. Uh Like he's making some assumptions Uh about his parents that are untrue. Uh Right. Where he has black friends and has even been walking down the street on sixth street from high school with his black friend and white people come by and call them the N word. Mm -hmm. So he's experienced his friends not be equal to him. Mm-hmm. So I think his thought process is they're posers because this is all happening. And now mom wants him to read this book where he's been he's living it. it. He's been with, living it with his you guys, friends. Yeah. And so I, I honestly, I worry about that with my daughter, okay. like in particular, because like I said, well, for both of my kids, cause we live in a white neighborhood. Like quite honestly, we have, I could I can't say that we because we don't have a ton of people over and I was I was going to say that like are the friends that come over are predominantly white that's not true um, literally as I'm sitting here thinking about it like <laughs> Isn't I'm that thinking an about, interesting like you would make that first assumption but then you think about it and you're like oh the, there's all these there's people. all different yeah, people, yeah, there's people all coming these people. over yeah. um, we have a lot of people because we do the adult foster care, mm-hmm. we just have a lot of people coming through the house. But mm-hmm. if I'm sitting there thinking about like who we invite over to hang mm-hmm. out. Yeah. It's a whole rainbow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, but still like I, again, question whether or not I am sending out the appropriate message to my daughter, just about our culture. Like I want to know that she knows who she is on the black side of her family, on the Mexican side of her family, on the white side of her family. I want her to be accepted and accepting in all of the places that like our family. On the other hand, I don't want her around dumb shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the thing too, is that, you know, the way, you know, we live in Kansas, mm-hmm. so not the most diverse state in the world. Right. Yeah. And Lawrence, Kansas, which is probably more diverse than some cities, mm-hmm. but not as diverse as Topeka or mm-hmm. Wichita right. or even mm-hmm. Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of black friends. Like, mm-hmm. if I just were to throw it out there, maybe five or six, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He probably has Grant, 
more than, I mean, right. And so his viewpoint of things is just going to be, I think, but yet we still talk about, like, I'm still having conversations about privilege, mm-hmm. whether that's being as a white male, mm-hmm. whether that's over women, right. Over black people, over mm-hmm. whatever, understanding your privilege mm-hmm. and knowing that you have it is important. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, it is, uh, helpful to be able to like rationalize that or rationalize is absolutely the wrong word to use to be able to verbalize. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Different, totally different words (laughs) (laughs) to be able to verbalize that and then be able to act on it to, Mm -hmm. you know, just be able to, to check it. And you're like, I would agree that, uh, it is easy for a kid who's got just completely different perceptions and quite honestly doesn't know all the struggles that, that like you personally have gone through to sort of understand your, your space. I'm, I'm impressed to hear that you guys are reading those books together and yeah. uh, ultimately impressed that your son w- would have courage to call you out because, Oh, he called me out. I want to say about five years ago, uh-huh. we were sitting um, and I'm going to say this on air because I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not ashamed about the story. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there. And I think I said this on one of my older other broadcasts with Brandon. Um, so I said, we're watching TV and I go, it was a commercial for some clothes. And I go, that's gay. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, you can't say that. Good. And Good. I was like, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. That I, you're, you're so right. Like, and I'm totally you know, mm-hmm. LG, I mean, all that stuff. It's just when you grow up a certain way, you've always said certain words. And mm-hmm. you, I was like, in that moment, I was like, wow, he can teach me a lot. So when he does things like your posers, uh-huh. I listen. Right. Because right. he has some emotional intelligence. He understands his dad. He understands his family. And so, but then having those deeper conversations, no, we're not. Right. We're just trying to be better people. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. See, and that I guess for me that would be the only thing that, that about that entire story that like I would I would question if my daughter told me that I was a poser, I think I would actually go the other way and say maybe, like ultimately the message is the same. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be a better person, so help me do that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like that makes sense. Like. Maybe I am a poser on some things, uh-huh. right? Yeah, so maybe yeah. it is a, well, okay, now I need to read this because uh-huh. maybe I, maybe I should have read that book five years ago, yeah. uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. To be a better yeah. human, right? Yeah. And I don't think we're, we're disagreeing at all. It's yeah, just, I like, I like, I like what you're saying though. Yeah, I get it. I don't, I, th- I think that like my daughter or my son, my, my son is really just kind of all about Minecraft and Roblox right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I focus on my daughter because she's the, she is the person that has, she's the empath in our family. And I'm not saying this is an excuse, but Uh you know that, you know, that graph of Mm -hmm. like, you know what, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what you don't know and you don't Don't know know what what you don't don't know. know. (laughs) So not, so I don't know what I don't know about stamped and some of those books. Uh Right. Now, I know I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. so then I'm working to know the stuff that I know. So I wouldn't say I would go back to the original thing about being a poser. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I was not a poser. Right. Or maybe I was a poser. I would just say I don't know what I don't know. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. That's, yep. And so for, for, for my daughter and me, if she like, and my daughter's 
sneaky. <laughs> she doesn't call me out. Right. She tells mom. Oh, and then mom tells me. That's okay. <laughs> Grant's the same. Told mom. Uh-huh. You're you're all posers because mom yes. wanted us. So uh, when mom said we're reading this book, uh-huh, uh-huh. because the book we read before as a family was Atomic Habits, and I and that was my choice. Right. right. So the, all this, she's like, we're gonna be we're gonna be better people. This is the book we're starting with. Uh-huh. And so so she told me I was gonna read. I said okay. Mm-hmm. And then she told Grant, and so then Grant told her that we we're posers, and she told me. So right, right he didn't tell me uh-huh. exactly, but him and I then had conversations and afterwards. In yeah, and that is exactly the dynamic. That yeah, would be the crazy, dynamic, right? In and my that's house a too. that's an interesting yeah, because him and I have deep conversations, but sometimes he doesn't bring me the deep stuff first. Yes, because and for for me, it's because my daughter is not entirely sure how like I'm going to respond, and I think it's yes. because. I respond with <laughs> no, no I, honestly, I think that it is like my kids aren't entirely sure of what's going to set me off. Uh, right. <laughs> and like I, I, I've explained it to them. Um, if they do something that puts them in immediate danger, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to yell and scream my fucking head off. <laughs> right. <laughs> like anything outside of that, like I'm up to discuss. Um, like understanding that like there are rules of the house, like, you know, they're, they're not going to be allowed to smoke pot. If they say I want to smoke pot, like that's just one of those things. What? Yeah. What about Sorry. take mushrooms? Uh, mushrooms are probably off the list right now. Probably, okay. probably any illegal or illicit activity. Right. Like you can't off say the that off the list right you can't now. Say yes to those things right now. Exactly. So they're illegal. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like we could talk about them, mm-hmm. but understand that there there are certain things that the answer is no even if we even if we talk about them mm-hmm. and i'm i'm like i'm okay with it i won't even get upset about talking about these things but if you do something that puts your like uh my daughter's 13 right now mm-hmm. and we've started the um test driving like training right. to drive and like she like ran over curbs almost hit a uh, trash can, so on, so on, so on. Calm as a cucumber, calm as a cucumber, calm as a cucumber. She puts the car in reverse and doesn't look behind her, and I'm screaming my fucking ah, head off. Ah, right. And it's like, ultimately, I know that you're not going to hit the thing. Like, we've discussed brakes. So, again, when I'm teaching someone to drive, the first thing that I do is say, here's what you need to know. If I say stop or if I say brake, the only thing that should go through your mind is hit the brake. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh man. So, um, and we, and we practice that. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that is always the first driving mm-hmm. lesson. Like stop, stop, stop slow, stop fast, stop. Like that's just kind of the first, those are always the mm-hmm. first steps to the driving lesson. Anyway. Uh, um, so literally we had had like three or four sessions where, Dad's calm, calm, calm. And then she does this thing where she puts us in danger. danger. And it's like, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so um, all that is just simply to say that sometimes, for my kids at least, they are unaware of whether or not what they're about to say or attempt to do puts them in immediate danger. So they don't want to bring it to dad right. <laughs> first. Yep. <laughs> like, exactly. so mom, 
Tinder with mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, dad'll be okay with that. Okay. We'll exactly. talk about it. Yep. Exactly. That's interesting. Here's so when your daughter's thirteen. Okay, uh-huh. so let's say your 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 son and your daughter were twins. Right. And you were teaching them to drive and uh-huh. then they were gonna both drive at seventeen on their own, they each had a car. Right. Would you teach them any differently when it comes to being pulled over by a cop? No, because for my kids, like it is a life or death situation regardless. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Explain that to my one listener why they're it's exactly the same. And let's talk about that sexual piece as well. Sure. In there. So with my son, um, your your one listener, if your one listener like happens to not be a black person or not. brown person. They're white as fuck. Okay. They're white mom. as fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the notion that you are a threat as a black man may not compute. Like we are taught through media. We're taught through news reports. We're taught through newspaper reports that like the evil that black folks do is greater and more heinous than the evil that white folks do. Cops are trained that black people are naturally more dangerous (laughs) than white people and therefore have to be dealt with, with, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a generous way to say it. Uh, basically they have to be rough with the black folks because it's the only thing that we understand. Right. Um, so every time, every time I, we've been pulled over, like my kids are acutely aware that like, as the cop is talking to me, the cop comes over to the side of the car and puts his hand on his gun, like every time, whether it is a, a uh, you know, a speeding incident, you know, retail light out, whatever it is, like this is just the interaction. Um, so this starts at a very, very young age. When you go back and look at the uh, George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin killing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You will hear this word over and over again that Trayvon was a thug. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to, like, and we don't even stop to consider the fact that we're talking about, like, some kid who was being stalked (laughs) by a killer. Like, the the narrative that he was a thug. And you can go back to, you know, Ferguson. You can go back to, essentially, every instance of a, a... some uh, black kid between the ages of let's be generous and say 12 up. Like we see, we have stories of the police accosting this person of color, assuming that this person of color is somehow a danger or threat and assaulting them or just outright killing them. Like we see it over and over and over. So, uh, my son is going to get pulled over at 17 years old. And what I just described is going to happen. Like your son gets pulled over. The cop's going to pull him over, figure he's doing something wrong, you know, try to scare him a little bit and let him go. Mm-hmm. My son gets pulled over. The cop fears for his life. The cop fears for his life prior to interacting with my kid. So the cop already comes into the situation with, 
this preconceived notion. My son does anything wrong, holds the steering wheel too tight, holds steering wheel too loose, has one hand out of view, has um, like worst thing possible, have a concealed carry license and have a, a weapon in the car. Like if my son were to say to the cop, I have a concealed, we've seen it happen multiple times. Black person says to cop, I have a concealed carry license and is simply shot because they have a gun in the car. Um, all of these worries are not only legitimate, but probable. And valid. Yeah. Would valid be the right yeah. word in this? Well, yeah. not, what, what, what I was, what I was yeah. meaning, not only valid, but probable, mm -hmm. likely. It is much more likely that my son have a negative interaction with the cop than a positive interaction with right. the cop. So with my daughter, everything that I just said is true, except the cop is also conditioned by media, by the news, by their own internal bias or prejudice or, you know, um, and we should probably talk because, or talk about this at some point, like the difference between racist and bias. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Because uh, that's that's important. Mm -hmm. um, because what I just described in my when talking about my son was not a racist cop. What I described in talking about my son cop. was a biased cop. Yep. Um, and that's not to say that he is also not racist, but that based on my story, we don't have any indication that he's racist. Right. We just know that he's biased. biased right. So with uh, my daughter, the bias shows up in she's probably a slut. On top of everything else that I said, you know, she's probably dangerous. She's probably like more dangerous than at, at very least a white woman and she probably doesn't care if I take if I pull her out of this car and take her back to the state station and do what I want to with her and she'll probably enjoy it so we see cops killing black women after sexually assaulting or maybe maybe there is no sexual assault but there cops kill black women cops kill black men cops uh right now like i said the the focus of the story is just on black men because we've got so many stories in the news right mm -hmm. now about black men being murdered um while being completely while being completely peaceful right <laughs> uh not resisting arrest not having weapons um and then uh you know, I, 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 I have friends that are cops or, you know, related to cops and I'm seeing things <laughs> like, well, if you just teach your kids to behave, nothing, you know, nothing would happen to your kids. Oh my God, I know. And it's right? like, it's like, um, it hurts. Yeah. It, and that's the only way to describe I it. I bet that fucking hurts. I bet it hurts like super deep, like. I can imagine like when I think about your hurt mm -hmm. with that, I think about like how that must hurt when like your kid's in pain, yeah. right? However that, that hurt is what you, mm -hmm. you feel inside. Yeah. When you say that hurts when mm. somebody said that's the feeling I'd get in there, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's, that's man. 
I hate. God damn it! I fucking hate victim blaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate it so much. Um, on the sexual thing that you're saying, I'm just learned. That's one of the things I don't don't know what I don't know. Right? Uh, yeah. I know because of who I am. I don't. Um, I I knew that women were sexualized mm-hmm. because media black women in particular. And and what I'm learning from stamped is where that came from. Uh Uh And I didn't ever know that, that black women were thought to be these sexual monsters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, when they were brought over as slaves. And that's how they were um, demonized. Yeah. So uh, to be clear, like how else could the slave master justify to his wife that he was sleeping with? Exactly. And I didn't, didn't even that like I just thought it was bad white man right right that just raped because uh-huh. white men rape right, right. Uh-huh. um I didn't think that they had to make a, an excuse to their wife mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why they did that so that's a that's a, a man that's fucking crazy dude. yeah and so this is one of those things that just is kind of like um just you know perpetuated mm-hmm. uh, all black men are pimps all black women are whores Uh, um when the truth is like you had this institution here in this country that like actively split up families and like allowed the people in power to justify like whatever treatment they wanted yeah Um, and all the like i like slavery is no longer legal um you know we don't have plantations anymore but we have institutions that are based on those oh, notions. Fuck yes. So, so crazy. Um, I was like, talking to some friends a f- few months ago <laughs> and I brought up this and I haven't gotten, been able to come back and have this conversation with them. We we're out for lunch and I was, I was explaining to, I, we had a Jill and I had a friend at the time um, a mixed couple mm-hmm. and we went out for dinner and then after dinner we parted ways he drove to dinner but then he's black she's white he then said and they didn't drink he then said to her hey babe you're gonna drive home mm-hmm. and we discussed why right and i was explaining this to my friends and they didn't believe they it. didn't fucking get it they're yeah. like no cops don't do that anymore i'm like I just had this conversation with my friends as a mixed couple. He had his white wife drive home because she was less likely to get pulled over in their BMW mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than a than a black man because they would think the black man stole the BMW would be the automatic bias, right? So not not only that he possibly stole it, that even if he had paid for it, he had done it through nefarious means. Uh, so they could catch him with drugs in the car Bingo. or a gun in the car or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they didn't get they didn't get that 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 still existed and that's why that that happened. To be fair, I didn't get that that still happened until I was in my 20s. Like so but okay. But you're also not a young man. Right. I mean, when I say when we say you didn't get that until you were in your 20s, mm-hmm. But you're also 40, 48, 48 now. Mm-hmm. So you've lived with that for 25 ish years, knowing that that exists now. Yeah. But I have reason to know that that exists. Like I'm not, I am not shocked 
to find out that there are people that aren't aware that racism is a thing. Like, that doesn't surprise me. No, that doesn't surprise me either. It just surprised me when I explained the story, and the, and then that's why they didn't believe me that I explained the story. They were like, no, that... Josh, you just changed their worldview. I know. And so they were okay. like, no, he, she just drove home. I'm like, uh-huh. no. Right, right. This is their experience. So this is, this is, for me, what you're describing is why what's going on right now is so important. Exactly. Because there are people that, quite honestly, live in the Ward Cleaver world where all the cops are good and, um, you know, all the neighbors get along and nobody has problems with anybody. And um, I don't um, resent those people. <laughs> I I am always happy to like disabuse them of that, <laughs> of <laughs> that yeah. worldview. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like I genuinely believe that a lot of the shit that we are talking about couldn't happen if people were aware like that same logic that the, the Bush administration used when they shut down the pictures of the soldiers coming back in the coffins. Oh yeah. Like it's real easy to pretend that that war over there wasn't going on if you're not seeing the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you start to see dead bodies, dead bodies, then think about it different. As soon as you're going to see videos, mm-hmm. have you, so I know that you and I are same, um, fans of, of Joe Rogan and yeah. all that stuff. Do, have you subscribed to um, Joe Schilling's Instagram Mm-mm. page Mm-mm. now? No. He's the kickboxer mm-hmm. that every video on his Instagram is about is police brutality videos. Really? Really? It's amazing and disturbing. At the, mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's disturbing at the same time. And I think that's what's gotten people, like you said, mm-hmm. the, now we see pictures of bodies coming home. Now we're seeing the shit because people can video it all the time and say, this is what's happening. What's sad about it is, is it's not shaping what they're doing. They're still fucking doing it because they think they can get away with it because of the fucking laws mm-hmm. and the rules within the system that says you can't, you're immune. Right. So it's, it. it is worse than that. You have cops that are literally saying, oh, really? You're going to fire our buddy because they pushed an 80-year-old man down and cracked his skull? Then we all quit. Yep. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's beyond crazy. And, like, I, I have to explain that, like, I laugh often just out of, like, the the intense urge to essentially cry. <laughs> cry and rage, right? You have and to, like... So I'm laughing when I describe this. They knocked a 75-year-old man down. They cracked his skull. They walked over him. And then they quit because the guys that, not only did they not help him, they quit because the guys that actively did it were punished. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with that system. Seriously wrong. Yeah. Um, You can't even stand up for what's right. mm -hmm. Or you're going to be punished if you do Mm -hmm. by your own brotherhood that's correct i just think that that's such a i mean you know you grow up you know saying you know snitches get stitches right Mm -hmm. and and that goes on both sides of races i think right right like white guys don't 
snitch on brothers because they're brothers. Mm-hmm. You guys don't snitch on anybody because you don't want the fucking cops to come around because you know when the cops come around, oh, we're all dying. Dead. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just an interesting mm-hmm. thing that we can't, we, we always blame the whistleblower. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we don't whistleblow. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, it's it's all fucked. It's all fucked. Mm-hmm. It's all fucked, as the dude would say. Yeah. It's all yeah. fucked. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we do now? I don't know, man. It's been a good conversation. It has been a good conversation. And I'm going to have you on a lot more mm-hmm. just to talk about all kinds of fun things other than this deep conversation we had today. Good so. deal. We didn't even get into Marvel superhero movies or nothing. So There's, Those are racist as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you still watch them. <laughs> but, you know, what is Rock going to be? Black Adam, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. So I, so I'm a little bit afraid because it technically is going to be The Rock's first time playing a bad guy. So I'm going to, like, I'm assuming that The Rock's going to play him as a good guy to start. But uh, Interesting. Yeah. Well, he was kind of in a bad guy in Be Cool. You mean when he was the gay gangster, gangster that wanted to be an actor? <laughs> yeah, that he was, was kind completely of the opposite of bad guy. Oh, he was like shit. he oh. was the breakaway star from that movie. That's true. Yeah. He's never been a bad guy. He's he's literally never ever played a bad guy. Well, you know who wasn't a bad guy until uh, one of the best movies ever? Denzel. Denzel Training, Training Day, Day, man. Yep. That fucking. Uh-huh. That blew my, I we I just played that for my oldest son. We just watched that. Oh really? That uh-huh. blew his fucking mind. That yeah, movie. Yeah. What an interesting movie about brotherhood, though. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Like yeah. Even amongst people of color. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I'm sure you were a, a NWA fan from back in the day. Fuck yeah. Ice Cube called it. Black police showing out for the white cop. Showing out for the white cop. <laughs> I was explaining who was I? I was oh once again Grant. I was uh-huh. explaining that in line to him. Interesting story about. NWA straight out of Compton. You want to hear that? Sure. So I'm a punk rocker at heart, Mm -hmm. right? And um, always loved punk rock, but I grew up in the middle of Kansas. Right. So we didn't get a lot of music took a while to get to us Mm -hmm. um, there because radio only played top 40 stuff, things, shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was... I was in love with the Beastie Boys, right? Right, right. Her thought it was rock, then all of a sudden it was rap. So I fell in love with rap because it was a new, like, new thing, right? Heard Run DMC mm-hmm. a little bit. Some mm-hmm. of that um, Blondie was like the first one that brought rap in um, with that piece on her Rapture song. I think it's Rapture. Um, but I we heard my friend Shane. I heard NWA. And it was, and it was somehow we heard it brand new uh-huh. and I don't, I can't remember the, how we got a cassette of that first like song or uh-huh. something. I can't remember. Uh-huh. And I called my mom up. She worked in Wichita. Right. And, uh, I said, Hey, can you go buy the, <laughs> the, um, fucking music store and buy me the CD? Uh-huh. She said, of course she had no idea. Right. Right. No yeah. idea what it was. Right. No idea what NWA stood for. Mm-hmm. Nothing. This little five-two white woman mm-hmm. going to Town West to the music store, bought straight out of Compton, brought it home, fucking played that fucking shit so loud. She was like, "What the <laughs> fuck did I just buy?" I'm like, "Yeah, it was 
awesome. The greatest record of all time. Oh my god, that that record mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. And I used to get in so much trouble. So I had this cute little uh, 73 VW Bug mm-hmm. with a nice Alpine system in right, it. Right, right. I play that fucking album. <laughs> convertible, you know. So it was just boom, boom. boom. Um, I mean, yeah. People were like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> I'd play one. I'd play Agnostic Front, uh-huh. like my one of my favorite punk bands of all time, and right. NWA. Like uh-huh. as punk rock as as you can get is when you play NWA like that. Right. And that album changed that that album changed my like my worldview mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. on things. Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh... That was the beauty of that album. Like, oh my uh, god! And it like to this uh, day, like still one of my favorite songs of all time. Just like musically, one of my favorite songs of all time. Parental discretion is advised. Oh, that's a I good will, one. Yeah. I will just listen to that like literally on loop. Um, uh, there's something, and this is why when Ice Cube left, I couldn't be a fan. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be is not the right. I wasn't as big a fan. I agree. For their one album. Mm-hmm. I just always loved his voice over everybody else's. So yeah. parental discretion wasn't my Oh, my see, favorite. for me, MC Ren was like oh. the star of that group. Oh, really? Like, I liked Ice Cube. I still like Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. But, like, go back to today. Okay. And listen to parental discretion as advised. Okay. And listen specifically for the way MC Ren like his cadence okay combined with the music there's nothing all like right it i'll on go back planet. and check that one out uh-huh. but what, what's your favorite ice cube album um great day in the morning that's a damn difficult question um america's most wanted war and peace um i'm gonna say it's one of those two interesting uh-huh. i would I, mine's predator yeah, see, that one wasn't... Again, like, I like Ice Cube a lot. He wasn't the breakout star of of, uh, of NWA. Yeah. I would probably actually go with War and Peace, Volume 1. That's that's favorite. really good. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a really good yeah. um, album. Mm-hmm. Um, but Predator, for me, interesting about Predator is when I was working in Kansas City... Mm-hmm. Um, we had just gotten Spotify right. as a family. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Ice Cube. Put Predator on. Holy shit. The things that he talks about and raps about on that album are mm-hmm. happening. It, not that any of the other albums, that right. shit's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. But that was like, I'm like, that's still fucking. So I made a post on Instagram with just that. Uh-huh. And that was like almost a year ago. Right, right. And I'm like, that shit is so fucking on point even today uh-huh. 20 almost 25 years after its release yeah yeah that's, that's fucking the crazy, interesting man. thing about all of it all of it like it's actually super weird right now yeah. to go back and listen to like public enemy oh no shit uh <laughs> yeah essentially like that entire range of like you know the the there's a term for it that I can't remember. It's like the proud to be black rap phase of the like early, late, late eighties, early nineties. Like it's the same mess. It is the same message. How relevant is do the right thing right now? I know. Right. With all the shit happening. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Spike Lee has always like had a, had a message in his uh, media. And so like the fact that that's still like, 
Okay, so we know that mm-hmm. the pizza owner, mm-hmm. right, right, was a good dude. Mm-hmm. Kind of racist, but just making a pizza. I keep forgetting that the, the audience can't see my response. When you said good dude, I kind of gave a eh, kind of look because kind of racist. Kind of racist, right? <laughs> but but when you're watching it, like, he's just making pizzas. Like, you know, right. like, he's mm-hmm. just doing this thing, right? right? Uh-huh. And then... The cop does the shit, it blows up, and then they burn the pizza place down. Right, right. And everybody that saw that then that was white was like, why the fuck would they do that? That's Mm -hmm. blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. And now you watch it, and you know why. Yeah. It's fucking, it's it's sad Mm -hmm. and awesome at the same time. I agree. Like, that's really the only way to, 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 like, encapsulate it. It's, 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 um... I can't say it any better. It's sad and awesome at the same time that somebody is able to capture the core, the the crux of the problem right. in a movie and and have it be or or song and have it be so clear that it still ringing bells thirty years later. I, I've I've been having these thoughts as we talk, right? Like mm-hmm. even just about that, like how crazy that this white kid from middle of Kansas. I think I, I think I could say that I knew one black person before I was in high school Mm -hmm. that was influenced and loved Mm -hmm. this wonderful music and movie genre. Like what a crazy, like, I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I think it's crazy because Growing up where I grew up, nobody, like, I was, so, I was telling Jill this, and I'll, and I'll, because I have a lot of friends that are cops, too, mm-hmm. and sheriffs, um, I was a skater and a punk rocker, right. so, I was an outcast, mm-hmm. so, we didn't have black people in Newton, we had, the people that I think were hassled mm-hmm. were Mexicans, right. But the people that were also hassled were me and my friends mm-hmm. who were skaters and punk rockers. Right. We'd be sitting in a parking lot mm-hmm. drinking a Gatorade mm-hmm. after we had a skate session and we were told to get the fuck out of there. Right. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. We could be there, but they would come by and be like, you guys need to go or you can't skate in this park. Why can't we skate in the parking lot? Or why can't we? Sk-? I mean, mm-hmm. so I was telling Jill, like, it's, it's an interesting, like, I think so to go back to your question, like why you think it's why you don't think it's weird for me, I grew up in a place that, that I didn't see racism Mm -hmm. because we were all white. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, it didn't. So me to be influenced by and hear all this stuff and know that it existed in the West and East and in movies and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. I think is pretty crazy because none of my friends, but a few of them, See, did the same thing. I, I understand what you mean when you say it's crazy, but I know you. Right. And so for me, that is a testament to who you are. Like, um, it is, you don't need to personally experience it. You don't need to personally witness it to recognize the truth of it. Right. Like, that's, so for me, that's not crazy. I can understand how for you, it right, feels yeah, a little crazy. Sense. I get that, yeah. <laughs> um, I appreciate you saying that, though. Yeah, but if it were, um, like, I'm, I'm assuming that that is still somewhat different from some of your friends. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that, again, is not surprising because some people do need to, like we just discussed, see the bodies mm-hmm. uh, in order to to equate what happens to us as a human thing yeah. as opposed to something that happens to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's like it, it it completely follows to me the fact that that you have used phrases like privilege <laughs> in this mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. the fact that you have that you're doing things like uh doing the family reading not just that you're doing the family reading that you're doing the family reading with the with the like specific goal of like becoming more in touch with like your community and you mm-hmm. know so on these are all things that that kind of flow from the guy that I, I mean, asshole that you are. I am, but hey, asshole, that is true. Uh, this still, this still flows very naturally for me. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting thing because I don't ever, you know, we have these and you and I have, I think talked about this a little bit like the, um, what's imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Like thinking of, and we talked about being a poser mm-hmm. and I don't ever want to, I, I do have imposter syndrome on some things that I do. And when I've gotten certain jobs or, or contracts for big things. I'm like, oh, fuck, do I, I don't. That's not me. That's not me. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, right? <laughs> but I don't ever want to come across as a poser. Yeah. Right. I don't ever want to cost, come across as ingenuine. Mm-hmm. If anything, I want to come off, come off as not informed. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. just, I don't know, and I don't, and I can't know at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, what I do know is that I could be empathetic. I right. can try to understand somebody's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I may not be able to walk in your shoes or understand what it's like to. Well, one, I, I, my wife explained when I truly. I'll tell this story to you, mm-hmm. and this is when I truly understood privilege. Right. I knew so Jill and I have always made a honest um, discussion that we were not gonna. There's this idea of melting pot. We're all the same. Da da. We don't ever did never believe that right we always knew that people are different and we love the fact that people are different mm-hmm. and we accept the fact that people are different and we want to learn from people are different so i for the longest time there were times that i did use african-american mm-hmm. but for for the longest time i just stayed with black because right. it it meant that we were different and that's okay right right you know like mm-hmm. that's okay to be different mm-hmm. so i just didn't i never really got on that bus mm-hmm. i used it if people wanted me to, if right. that was important to them, but mm-hmm. I would ask. Right. right. But I really liked, I liked the differences. Mm-hmm. So I always knew that people were different and, and this, but I didn't, and I knew that the racism, racism exists. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had, that I was a white guy and I was always going to have a better chance at things than others. Right. But I didn't really understand privilege, like mm-hmm. privilege mm-hmm. until one morning my wife and I go for these long walks with a weighted vest and, and they used to be super early in the morning, like four 30 in the morning. Right. And she always walked on the outside of me on this side, mm-hmm. in the street, in the side, because we walk in the street cause it's just more level. Right. And in the morning we'd see other people and at four 30, you don't see a lot of people up. So when you do, she'd always be like, there's a person up there. And then she'd kind of, Move do this defensive thing or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. Good morning. Da, da, da. And then we, I do that more and more often. Like I'd be like, what is, what's wrong with you? Don't I? Finally, she stopped me mm-hmm. and she said, you don't understand as a woman. I'm at four 30 in the morning or five in the night 
or when it's daylight or when it's dark or whenever, if there's a man or a group of men, I'm always on the defensive. It doesn't matter because of being a woman and this idea of being raped Mm -hmm. and the potential of. Yeah. That's when I understood privilege. Good on you. Truly understood my existence because I had to have somebody they love and care for Mm -hmm. explain it to me. Like if you explain it to me in this conversation, I never knew it. I would, because I love and care for you, I would get it. But to have my wife explain it to me in that fashion Mm -hmm. was just took me to a whole different level. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Before we end, Mm -hmm. I want to tell you another story and I want you to know that my dad is going to be listening. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is a, st- and sorry, mom and dad that I'm going to bring this up, but I think it's very important because I've been grappling with this mm-hmm. on how to understand what they should do. Okay. And it's important for me because you're a black man mm-hmm. and my friend, and I love you very much to help my family make the right decision, mm-hmm. a, a good decision. Gotcha. So my parents surprised me on Father's Day and came up. Mm-hmm. And my mom and dad and I were all conversating about what we're doing and what's going on in the world. And my mom's a social worker. She's, you know, she taught me to be a social worker and be kind and all this stuff. But she's also of that age, right? Like mm-hmm. where you, it's just different. Okay. Right. right. She really wanted to put a Black Lives Matter sign in her in the yard. Mm-hmm. My dad's a real estate agent mm-hmm. in Newton. Sorry, dad. I'm going to, I'm just going to out you because I think you need it. And I don't know. I need someone else to explain it to you mm-hmm. than me. Right. He told my mom she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And he's not, I don't believe to him to be a racist person, mm-hmm. but like we went back to and saying, you're racist, right? Like until you say you're an anti-racist. Right. 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 <laughs> so he would not tell me or us why he would not put the sign in the yard. It's important right. for my mom, but he overruled it. Will not put the sign, Black Lives Matter sign in there. Mm-hmm. I want to tell him, and I know that it would bring up an argument, that you're being racist or biased mm-hmm. because of your fear of putting that in your yard. What's your, tell me, I know that's a lot and, and I don't want you to hold back. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of thoughts. Okay. So first of all, I would not say that because your dad is not putting up the sign that he's being racist. Okay. What I would say is that he's, and you know, this may be harsh. (laughs) He's not being a good human. (laughs) Okay. Um, not, and, and I mean that in the sense of like being compassionate like showing support, standing up for what's right, all the values that we that we tend to espouse as sort of like what a good human being is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to say that your dad is a bad person. That's he's not a bad person. Yeah, but I get what you're that's saying. That's not yeah. absolutely right. not where I want to go. Right. But I'm saying that like if you consider yourself to be a good person, you have a duty to essentially make the place that you live better. Right. He's not doing that. Right. Um, And that is going to affect everybody around him. Not only does it affect your mother, who quite honestly is being told that she can't, can't be involved with that 
duty that she's feeling the calling for. Um, it is putting whatever the whatever the impetus is for him to not put that sign up, whether or not he thinks it's going to cost money, whether he thinks it's going to cost uh, disagreements with the neighbors, whether you know he's watching out for the shame mm-hmm. <laughs> that he cares to other people that are not being good humans right now. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that factor is, it is preventing him from doing something that is demonstrably the right thing to do. Um, it's difficult to ascribe a, a, a positive duty to someone. It's always easy to say thou shall not kill. Right. <laughs> it's much, much more difficult to say you have a duty to look out for your fellow man and to have that count. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, maybe there's maybe, maybe there is some uh, factor, some duty, some, some, something that causes your dad to like to overweigh the duty that your dad has to essentially be a good human in this case. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is a competing priority. Well, I'm sure it, I mean, I'm sure it has to do with business and what he still does yeah. for a living. And I'm sure that if you're, if he puts that out there like that, he, I mean, whatever I, it's some, it's fear-based. Yeah. Just like racism is fear-based, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, again, it's it is impossible to tell a grown-ass man to do anything. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, the he's, he's a he's a person that will, will listen to other people's viewpoints yeah. and will and I think when he hears this, mm-hmm. he'll have a different understanding than his son saying. Right fucking put the sign in the yard. Like uh-huh. what are you, what are you doing? Right? Like, so yeah, if, if like, if this was my, like, I don't know your dad, I've never, right. never met him. And after he hears me say what I've said already, he may not ever want to. <laughs> um, but like if I'll, I'll say it this way, if this was Jeremy and Kath, mm-hmm. I would say to Jeremy without a moment's hesitation is whatever you're worried about worth more than Kath's feeling like she is doing her duty to her fellow person, fellow person. Like if that's not the single most important thing in this situation, then you, you know, you let your wife know that much at least that, you know, uh, like I don't require you to put the sign out. Your wife wants to put the sign out. Putting the sign out is the right thing to do. At least make it right with your wife. Well said. Mom and dad, I am sorry that I brought up the issue. No, actually, I'm not sorry I brought up the issue. Um, Be forewarned, I brought up the issue. I still love you guys very deeply, very much. Um, I just, I don't know how to have the conversation with, without it being super tense with them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to have somebody that's of color explain what that mm-hmm. means yeah. to, to people that don't necessarily understand. Yeah. It, so it's it. I, I, I hesitate to call anybody a racist. That's not being yeah. actively racist, but it's, it, it is hurting 
a group of people. Right. And it goes to the notion of what we were talking about yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. I, um, f- I have to go back real quick to my listeners and make a correction, which I, um, from a podcast a couple ago is that I got Juneteenth wrong in the sense of the 1921 racial, um, slaughter in Tulsa. I thought I said that that happened, um, the day of Juneteenth. That was not, that is not true. I got that wrong. And it was in May between May. I don't, I don't know the exact dates, um, in May, um, in 1921. So I need to, I'm making that correction now at the end of this podcast that I got it wrong with the idea that it happened because of some of that stuff years later after slavery was abolished. So I'm making that correction that I got it wrong over and over again. Um, Lewis, brother, thank you so much for being on and just talking. I just, I've missed you so much. I'm glad you came up and did this. I can't wait for us to do some more. This has been, you got me. So here's one more thing to our listeners. Lewis helped me get to get this whole thing. My own podcast started on my own. Got me all the information on equipment and what to do. So he's been a huge influence on me moving forward. This, So I thank you and glad you were on. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. All right. Remember perseverance through strength and vulnerability later.